Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Tone Talk with Mark Kazansky and Dave Friedman. Uh, episode 78, and we are excited. We've got Jordan Ziff from RAT and Marty Friedman. How are you doing, man? What's going on, Jordan? Great. I'm doing great. Glad Glad to have He's got his martini. <laughs> Cheers. My second martini. Hey, we'll start martinis at 5 o'clock. Oh, boy. Martini yeah. night. Five o'clock martinis and cheese and crackers is like my, mm. my daily thing with some friends. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Very nice. And Dave, uh, you're drinking what again? Yeah, now you told us off air, but Lafroig Scotch. Cool. And I got the Sam Adams. I hope everybody's doing good tonight. Uh, Jordan, did you make your bed? Looks like it. It looks okay. It looks pretty. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the buster balls. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, what's been going on with you, man, during this uh, insane time? You know what? You LA. You're in LA now, right? It just came to LA like a week ago. Um, just been writing music, you know, writing stuff for Rat, working on solo record stuff, and and just. You know, hanging out with some friends and jamming with different people, you know, just kind of trying to enjoy the not working, I guess, you know? Mm-hmm. Kind of like when you jam with other people, it's just like a solo kind of thing, you and another dude mm -hmm. or another friend. Yeah, or yeah, or just like a drummer friend of mine, and we jam some guitar and just having some fun. You know, what else can you really do right now? Because I'm not touring right now, I'm not playing any shows right now, and and I really wouldn't want to anyways, because I see some people doing that. And it's kind of just, it just, I don't know. I think it just looks bad to try and forcefully play shows right now during this pandemic. It's just not, doesn't look good. It's not a good look, you know? Uh, it's not a good look, but uh, I know a couple people uh, personally that uh, had to play the shows because the promoter were, were threatening to sue them if they didn't. Oh, well, that's a different story. <laughs> so, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, and believe me, it's a person that didn't want to play these shows, but he had to. Yeah. So he, he, he did it in a way that he could be as distant as possible. Yeah. But, but, you know, I mean, that's not always. In Sturgis, he had to. Right. Oh, yeah, Sturgis, yeah. <laughs> Sturgis? Yeah. The worst possible. It wasn't like, French, right? Huh? Was it Lynch, George? Yeah. Really? Wait, he played in Sturgis? Yeah. He had to. Didn't have a choice. He got in a position he didn't have a choice. Yeah, because someone commented that Dawkins been Don Dawkins been doing it, I, which I saw that performance in the anyway. Um, yeah, I mean I don't I don't you know, yeah, it's probably not the best if someone's choosing to do this and put on a show, it's probably not the best choice because I mean, you're in. If it's your thing, you're endangering people, probably. Uh, yeah. Now people seem to want to go anyway. <laughs> I know, but it just—it's just a bad look all around. I—I I, I, I agree. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's not safe. So yeah, and you know what? People, when it's ready and times are ready, you know, and everybody's safe, people are going to be raring to go to go to concerts and go to shows and yeah. it's gonna be fucking awesome again so yeah yeah i think it's just better to, to wait till it's really the right time to do it you know mm -hmm. yeah and then people will be clamoring for it yeah i know i am i'm 
as much as venues left. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that, that's that's really not a joke. I know, I know. it's, it's a, a possibility. Yeah. It's going to hurt a lot of people really, really horribly. You know? I mean, especially um, venues, small venues. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, like venues that you're going to play with rat or something, mm-hmm. a lot of the clubs and, and things, the larger clubs and stuff that are rock venues. And, and they just, uh, man, they're not a restaurant. They're not this, they're not that they're right. not, they have no money. Yeah. So they can't you know? stay open and make money doing yeah. anything right now. Yeah. 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 I actually saw a post. There's a, a long time place here and kind of like the baked potato. While you mm-hmm. got, um, here it's called the funky biscuit. And um, and they have great acts and stuff like that. And they were just posting that they need support; otherwise, they're gonna they're in danger of closing. Well, yeah, a friend of mine, a friend of mine owns. Um, there's a country bar out here called the Cowboy Palace, uh, which has been around like I don't know when it originally, you know, originated, but it's a really funky old country bar that's really cool place. And he's been, you know, closed. He, you know, he's the owner that for the last several years and uh a lot of the regulars chipped in and did a lot of gofundme things so you know now he has enough money to pay the rent with some negotiation with the landlord for like a year at least so you know that's good yeah that is good but you know it can only go on so long i mean how much can you you know ask people to donate and you know yeah help you out and you're asking people to donate who themselves may need donations. Yeah, exactly, uh, exactly right? Well, right now. So it's just, it's so terrible. Yeah, it sucks. But, uh, but you know, we had a, actually got a good question right off the bat um, from Quincy, which I'll post right here. He said, hey, Jordan, how'd you get the gig with Rat? So oh. that's, oh. uh, you know, one of my initial questions have but i mean you've been playing guitar you're young right i mean uh, you're much younger than me how old are you you're yeah i turned 29 last month right so i mean i'm, I'm impressed as shit with that jordan mm-hmm. to be that young and already you know as successful as you are in bands with marty friedman and rat so maybe we should take it back let's go back you know before mm-hmm. you like how did how'd you uh get into guitar and then lead into you know like all this stuff that you're doing oh. now <laughs> it's such a, I guess, I don't know. I guess it's a long story, but when I was a kid, I didn't, I wasn't really into guitar players that were, you know, kind of super lead players. I kind of grew up listening to Beatles and things like that. And then what really got me into guitar was when, when I started playing guitar, that's when Santana's album uh, Supernatural came out. And I really loved the song Smooth. I just mm-hmm. loved the lead playing on that and the guitar tone and everything. And it just, for some reason really spoke to me. So that's, that's what really got me to start playing guitar. And then from there, I was really into what was really popular at the time was like uh, Blink-182 and some 41 and those kind of pop punk bands. So I was really into playing a lot of punk rock guitar. So that's kind of getting my rhythm chops up. And, and the great thing about that is I think about it and there's a lot of people that, when they were my age, they were really into like Eddie Van Halen or something like that. And for me, I think that if I started playing guitar with the aspirations to sound like Eddie Van Halen, I'd realize how difficult it was because like I was like seven years old. 
So I feel like I couldn't really quite play like that at seven years old. So I feel like it's like deterring. But for me, I played stuff that was actually like really easy, like just pop punk stuff. So immediately I could start playing in bands. I could play with a drummer. I could I could actually do stuff. And that's really inspiring to be able to write music at that age. That's like you're really able to do it. So as time went on, that's when I finally discovered things like um, like actually the first time I ever heard anyone like really play really fast on the guitar was actually Marty Friedman. He was the the first guy I ever heard. I was like maybe 13 years old and I heard cacophony and I was just like, holy shit. I had no idea that people even played guitar like this. I didn't even know it was a thing that existed. Mm. So then, then I went down the whole, you know, I played a lot of thrash metal stuff when I was uh, uh, in high school and I actually had a band called age of evil and that was my brother on drums and my two best friends on bass and vocals and rhythm guitar. And we actually put out a first record that we wrote. I was around 14 when we wrote it. And it came out when I was around 15. And then we actually got invited to go play in a festival in Germany called Bang Your Head Festival. That, oh. So I went to Germany when I was like 15 to do this festival. And it was really cool. We were opening for who was heaven and hell was the headline of that year. So it was like really cool for me. And, and then, uh, it just, it just kept snowballing. And then someone really liked us and they started their own record label in Germany just cause they liked us so much and made yeah. a record label so that we could do a record with them. So then we did an EP like the following year. And I, yeah, I was just playing thrash metal with them for like in the band age of evil for like five years. And, and in, oh, in fact, this is even funnier. The first record we did, our record producer in Arizona was kind of friends with Marty Friedman. So Marty Friedman did a guest solo on on my first record that I ever did. And then kind of years go by, and a friend of mine, uh, his name is Chris Cotero, he worked at Crank Amps. If you remember Crank Amps, he was the artist relations guy there. And he was Marty Friedman's bass player at one time. And then I did a band with him called Razor and he sent our album to Marty and Marty said, Hey, I really like your guitar player. Do you think he'd want to play in my band? And, and then he, you know, sent me all that. That was around the time Inferno came out. So he sent me all that stuff before it came out and just said, Hey, learn this to see if I could play it. And he really wanted me to play in his band. But then I played in Marty's band on the first tour and I told him, Hey, remember that band age of evil that you did a guest solo on? He's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I'm like, that was me. He's like, oh, I didn't even know that was you. <laughs> it's, just, it's just funny. It's just like really funny full circle kind of experience, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. And, you kind of, did you have in the back of your mind, they were thinking like maybe he did think it was me and that's kind of the connection that he made? or You know, you know I, I, for, I kind of honestly forgot about it. Oh, okay. My memory's not so good because I drink so many martinis. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> but then we talked about it and it was hilarious because he totally forgot about it. And I kind of forgot about it too, but, but we, it was funny, but anyways, yeah. So then I was playing in his band for a while and then, um, you know, I put out a Craigslist ad in Los Angeles and said, Hey, guitar player looking for a band. I'm pretty good. And then rat called me. No, I'm, I'm totally kidding. That's not how that happened. <laughs> 
it was a, it was a mutual friend of mine that was friends with Piercy and just kind of you know he knew that they were looking for a new guitar player and just said hey like Jordan's your guy basically and I went and did an audition with them and it was just really instantaneous like good chemistry playing with everybody you know just like within five seconds we were all looking at each other like yeah like this totally works hmm. you know. So what was the audition process like for them? I just came out to LA and uh, Juan has a cool like kind of rehearsal thing at his house. And we just jammed like five or six songs or something like that. And that was pretty much it. I know they were auditioning other guitar players, but um, I don't know exactly how they ran the whole rehearsal process, but. Right, right. But for you, was, did they give you the songs to learn or you just kind of went in like, these are the five songs? That, they... They gave me the songs to learn. They told me what songs to learn. I don't even remember what songs they were, but yeah, it was just really cool. Cause it was just, it was just like that instant groove, you know, when you just play with the right people, mm -hmm. you know, it just felt really good. Like it was just inst instantaneously really like in the pocket, you know, it just felt good. So now were you a fan of rap? Growing up? I was in high school. I listened to rap quite a bit. Actually, Warren was definitely, um, he was one of my favorite guitar players in high school for sure. So what's yeah. that like replacing Warren? Well, it's an interesting, you're, you're coming into an interesting situation, sort of. It is an interesting situation. Like doing that. You know, and the way I guess I look at it is that um, I respect him so much. And with anyone that I respect, it's like, I'm not really, I don't feel like I'm replacing anybody. I'm just like, I'm coming in. And this is just our version of rat. And I'm just kind of doing my thing, you know, being very respectful to Warren because I want to play stuff very, very similarly to how he did it. But, but I don't want to play it exactly how he did it because I'm not, I'm not a cover guitar player. So it's like, I still have to do it my own way. So I don't really feel like I'm replacing him. I just feel like this is the version that it is, you know, cause it just doesn't work with Warren and the band anymore with, with the, you know, everyone in the band the tension so. between everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't feel like replacing anybody. I just feel like I'm just going to come in and do kind of my thing and hopefully people really like what I do, you know? All right, cool. Yeah, definitely. Did you, uh, I mean, you know, there are some fans that are like so vocal about if it's not Warren, it's not rad and you know, all that crap. And you know what? That's their prerogative. You know, yeah. there's always going to be people like that in any type of situation when someone new comes into a band, you know? So it's like, that's so uh, true. So I don't, I just, I don't really care. It's like either you like it or you don't, but if you just say no Warren, no rat, maybe, maybe just listen to what I do and then decide if, if you like what I do or not, they probably don't even care to listen. Right. You know? Yeah, I agree. And first of all, you know what, there's a, there's a guy that I've heard of who's joined bands replacing other guitar players players and some amazing bands and his name is Steve Vai. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of Steve Vai. Yeah, he had a pretty good career. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh no, I mean there's nothing there's nothing wrong with it. I'm just I, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, I, I think um I, what you said was exactly right. It's the version of rat that exists and that's and you're the guitar player and yeah because nothing wrong with it. Yeah because I'm not gonna come in and be a Warren D Martini clone. I don't want to yeah. do that, 
You know, that's, right. that's ridiculous. Like, why would you want to do that in a band that's that's not a cover band? We're a real band. Like, we are Rat. Why would you want to get someone to come in and be a cover guitar player of Warren Dumartini? That's kind of um, backwards thinking. Yeah. I mean, of course, there are there's elements of the song that you have to. Of take. course. And right. Of course, yeah. I, I play things like very, very similarly to him, but it's like it's not like I, I'm not going to cop his exact feel. Everyone right. has a different feel on the guitar, you know. It's just so I, I, gotta, I gotta ask this. So, were there times uh, since you've been playing with Rat that you felt like, uh oh, maybe I made a mistake? <laughs> no. I mean, I'm just referring. There were some rough times for Steven there for for a minute well, and uh, some rough shows. Steven is doing absolutely fantastic. And just well, that's good because he's such a great yeah. guy. he's such a great guy, you know, that's awesome. I'm that's glad good that he's doing better now. So mm-hmm. that's, that's awesome. Cause I, I was a little scared for him there for a second. Yeah, no, he's, he's doing fantastic. He's such a good guy. He's such a, he's good. a kind hearted human being, like very kind hearted. Awesome. That's good. Yeah, it was it was a bit scary there for a second, but uh, but yeah, but uh, I actually saw Rat um, with Warren right before he left. There was mm. a gig here at Fort Lauderdale, um, and it was a great show. And uh, but yeah, it's um, I'm, I, and then I've seen videos of you playing, and you guys are killing it too. And then and then of course, then you got the Geico commercial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's super cool which is fucking awesome yeah, yeah. the um, Geico commercial was hilarious um yeah it just it's just funny how that all came about and i really couldn't believe it till i was like you know I, I i don't really watch that much tv so i've only seen it on tv maybe like a really small handful of times but man like when i did watch tv i swear i saw it like once like five times in one night it was crazy it's like this is crazy, you know. It's all over, constantly the TV. I mean, yeah, I work yeah. from home. It's still playing, it's still playing. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. So, how did that come about? I mean, because honestly, I was told how it came about, but I don't remember exactly how it came about. It's too moment. many martinis. It's too many fucking martinis. <laughs> <laughs> That when he doesn't remember something, no matter what it is, it's too many martinis. <laughs> that's cool. Um, but it's funny as shit, though. I mean, that's a yeah. great commercial. I mean, when I first saw it, I I did like a double take. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Really? yeah. Holy shit. So are you guys playing in it? It sounds like you guys are actually playing in it. Like, it's not, it's not a track. Yeah, so I... Um... I re-recorded all the guitars for it. We we basically just re-recorded the song for that commercial. Right. Right. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like it was. Kind of mm-hmm. sounds like you're playing in that bathroom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's so funny. Um so uh you're a gear nerd like the rest of us, I think. Mm-hmm. I totally am, yeah. So I, I I we were talking the other night. Um so tell us about the gear you got back there. <laughs> Well, I still have a lot of most of my stuff at home in in Arizona, but like I have a 77 uh, JMP 100 watt that uh, used to belong to Mike Saldano and it sounds amazing. 
And then I have this white 50 watt plexi that I kind of use to record leads, all the lead stuff. And then back there, you can't see it, but there's like a black 100 watt plexi as well. And um, this red cab has a 25 watt black backs in it. And oh, then nice. and then I have a basket weave cab over there that has the some 30 watt 55 hertz greenback heritage. You you ha you almost have the same uh, cabinets as I do in this room. <laughs> oh yeah, one with with old blackbacks, and then I have old thirty fifth old yeah. thirty blackback fifty five hertz. Yeah, those yeah. are the yeah. And you know what? You need both. I think I'm learning that both do different things. You know, I really like the I really like the blackbacks for leads. I think a little bit more, and then the thirty watt ones are like a little girthier for rhythms and have more low end punch to them. Just like I like the 50 Watts for leads because I think they're a little smoother and you get more compression out of them. And then the hundred Watts I love for rhythms because they're just that guttural, you know, punch. Yeah. Loud. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, it's okay. If you, uh, then on tour, weren't you using some of the synergy stuff tour? Yes. Yeah. Not Tour, on tour, I use the Friedman, um, the BE, what is it? It's just the BE, the one that's not like the super high gain one. Yeah, the BE one, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that one. In the, Were you just taking a Sin 1 around or something, just so you, if you rental gear and stuff? Is yeah, that yeah, yeah. So I, I would plug a Sin 1 with into the, the, loop. the little BE plugged into like a JCM 2000 or JCM 900, and, and it sounded really yeah. Really just plug it into the loop, right? Yep, yep it's right into yep. the loop. Sounds amazing. I just yeah, that's a great way to travel and do that with, and mm -hmm. you're not reliant on the um, the what you're gonna get <laughs> exactly. It, it at least cuts out the preamp section of, yeah. of the you know, but obviously with fly dates, it just kind of kind of sucks because it is what it is, but you know, but the that really saved my life bringing those preamps around because it really just all of a sudden my tone was just really good consistently everywhere I went. It sounded, you know what I mean? It sounded really similar. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very grateful that that exists in the world. Yeah. <laughs> cool. yeah. yeah. It, it, it's an awesome, I've got one sitting right here. Mm -hmm. uh, I run it through a fry at power station, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, they're so cool, man. The synergy stuff. So which what modules are you using? You're using the Friedman the Friedman BE one? Just yeah, just the, the Friedman one, honestly. I have the um Saldano one too. And that one's kinda like that one's pretty cool for leads, I guess, but it's more it's more scooped and I get less definition out of each note. I really like that bring kind of sound. Yeah. If you're yeah. the Marshall Marshall fan, like the Plexi fan, then you like yeah. the BE. Yeah, the BE that kind of thing. It does exactly what I need it to do. No, no overdrive. It just honestly straight into that and just, that's it. Call it a day. It gets just, it's just right on the money. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds good, but we were talking the other night, Jordan, about uh plexis. So you've, you've now have this like newfound love for plexis. I do. I have like four or five of them now. I think four, five, I have five of them, but they're still mostly in Phoenix. All vintage right. ones? No, just like reissues, and then this oh. this custom one. Um, I can't remember what his name is that made it. It's just an all hand wired. Um, 
it's a hand wired hundred watt that has it's kind of modded a little bit. It's pretty cool. I still have to bring that one here. But next uh, next up is vintage ones. Yeah, then that's the next. That's the logical next step. It's so funny. I just been. Um, I just look at the prices of vintage ones and I'm like, yeah, but I could buy like two or three of these mm. or I, you know, cause I've been on this weird, it's honestly, so I've started buying plexis at the end of last year and then quarantine started and I got so bored and I was looking on Craigslist every single day. And that's when I ended up with all these amps and I have like nine Marshall cabinets at home. It's like, all different green backs and black backs and stuff like that. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and now, and now I don't even know what to do with them because I don't need all of them. But like, I was just on this um, this hunt, and I I bought this um, one of the limited edition Jimi Hendrix cabs. That's like the pinstripe cab. Yeah. And I bought it empty, and then I ordered. I haven't even filled it with speakers yet, but I have two thirty watt, fifty five hertz black backs that I haven't put into it yet. So I'm gonna fill that one with all black backs. I'm gonna do like an X pattern with the 30 watts and the 25 watts so that it's like, that'll be my studio cabinet so that I don't need to switch between cabinets. I can just, mm. you know, move the microphone and switch between speakers. Yeah, sure, perfect. So perfect. What's, what's the tonal difference between those two speakers then? Just out of curiosity. What do you think, which is more between low? The, which two exactly again, sorry? The 30 watt 55 hertz and then the 25 watt 75 hertz. Well, um, the 30 watts a little, uh, it, it tends, it's the resonant peak is shifted. So it's shifted lower. So, um, so 55 hertz is lower than 75 hertz. So, um, it's shifted lower, so the the bump, the low end bump on the speaker is at a little lower frequency. So it's almost kind of like, slightly heavier sounding of a speaker sometimes it seems maybe more bright with less mids mm -hmm. um with a bigger bottom like lower lows mm -hmm. and then the the greenbacks have more mids mids to it um uh they're they're definitely different but but also old speakers are way different than like reissue ones of them yeah so, yes so um uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to score a, a couple, like the cabinet behind me, vintage, it's a vintage checkerboard cab, and I have another one on the other side of the room, and, uh, you know, I scored those at unbelievable deals. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks to someone I knew, um, you know, like half price. <laughs> yeah, well, I look, you know, those, those if you want to buy the early 70s, the real ones, the 30-watt, yeah. 55-hertz screenbacks, they're like people are trying to sell them now for $2,000 for four of the, just the speakers. Yeah. I, I got the whole cabinet for $700. Do you want to sell for 800? <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> I won't sell these two cabs. Although I use the 75s the most, but yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I brought them home when, when I, I took them out of my shop after the, the pandemic came. Cause I put a kind of a, thing here in, in my house where i could work and stuff also mm -hmm. so they're just here now and i just use them all the time and i'm like god they sound good <laughs> well, it's a whole house with a wood floor that's raised so it's like even the room sounds good you know mm. like well, now that i'm here you know you have you have to be my amp guy i gotta bring my amps to you to oh yeah i can i can make the reissues sound like old ones yeah yeah i want you to work mark, on mark knows I yeah do. i was telling him 
Yeah. yeah. I was telling them. Yeah, definitely. So, but, but you have a vintage one. I mean, the red one is 72, right? 77. 77. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still. It's a Soldano mod though on it, right? No, it's just all original. Oh, it's all original. Oh, okay. It's all original. Master um, volume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I had a 76 50 watt JMP and it had the small Marshall logo on it and the, mm-hmm. the metal switches on it. Mm-hmm. So like it's, it was like the very first run of the master volume amps before yeah. they transitioned to the big logo and the plastic switches on it. But mm-hmm. the 50 watt one just to me, it was just the, 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 uh, I was reading about them. You know, I know a good amount about Marshalls, but I don't know everything about them. But apparently the very first version of the 50 watt master volume, there was something no, with casting. No something. It was just weird. It just didn't sound that great. It, it, it wasn't. So it was basically like there was a the a bit ba- like a bass input and a treble input and just a normal master. So it was less gain mm-hmm. than uh, than the later ones. They weren't cascaded yet. Oh. Okay, okay, and uh, that was it. But they can be changed to you know, make it right. But right, the ones to stay away from though are the <clears throat> later seventies amps square switches, fifty watts. You don't mm-hmm. want those because the uh, they they lowered they put sixty five fifties in and they lowered the plate voltage to like three hundred and eighty volts, and that sounds fuzzy and not right. Oh, okay. So, like any of the square switched. 50 watts stay away from oh okay and uh but the square switch hundreds are great um yeah uh uh you or you can make a 50 great but you have to put a new power transformer in it oh okay yeah that's so. fine <laughs> yeah so just some tidbits yeah i'm always learning more about them i don't know what like i've always liked marshalls but now i'm just like really deep into the whole thing and yeah, it just it's it's fun. It's kind of fun to read about it and read about speakers and read about the amps. So yeah, the whole history of it. I think I think in the chat people are bidding on my cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not exactly sure what these numbers mean, but one's nine hundred and then one's fifteen hundred. <laughs> one thousand. I don't know if they're bidding on it or just. Guessing on prices I, before I said it, I'm not sure. <laughs> Even 1500 would be. In fact, maybe I should read the chat and I'd figure it out. But, <laughs> um, by the way, uh, oh, th- thousand ship final offer, Dave. No, no, they're not for sale. <laughs> Shipped, it'll cost 300. Well, everything's for sale for the right price, but definitely these days, not shipped. Right, uh, because you know they, uh, uh, you know the sh- the shippers had have put a surcharge on large packages. Mm-hmm. So a cabinet that used to cost say a hundred and thirty dollars to ship now is like two sixty. That's crazy, and it's the size of the package, and I'm not sure why. It, it happened with COVID. They put it out there. I'm not exactly sure. Maybe it's the volume of packages they're getting. And I mean, I talked to my my FedEx guy, and he's like, "Yeah, we, man, yeah, don't worry about your amps. Half the time we're moving furniture these days. People <laughs> ordering furniture, and it's showing up in FedEx, and we got to take these massive boxes." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh God, poor guys." That's crazy. Yeah, actually, it's ironic because 
I guess a lot of people decided to do remodeling and shit for their houses during this time. Cause my wife decided to do the same thing, like get a bedroom set and like everything was sold out. Everything. Oh yeah. 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 No, no. You just bored. I mean, I was looking at my dining room chairs and I'm like, I, I got to get new chairs. Okay. I'm buying new chairs. <laughs> and then you just go click, click, click. And Oh, well, okay. They're going to be here today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were supposed to be here today. And I don't think they showed up. Did you get them on Amazon? Uh, not these particular chairs, but oh, I've gotten some other stuff. Uh, yeah. Thousands of other things on Amazon. Yeah. Oh my God. I think I might have a problem there. Amazon's the best and the worst. And the worst. Yeah, exactly. Well, you, know, you know what Amazon's great for, man, is like if you realize you need something like, you know, I have a pool here and it's like, oh, we're out of suntan lotion. Yeah. You go on there and I go, well, let's just buy like four bottles. You yeah. Know, and click, click, click. And it's, you know. Yeah, it's way to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But in a day or two. And I'm like, yeah. man. Because leaving the house for stuff that's so passe. <laughs> you know. Especially now. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I could have groceries, never- order them. <laughs> yeah. Do you still order the groceries too? I don't always order groceries, but we, we do. I mean, we I mean split it maybe. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Right. Yeah. It depends on if I feel like I need to be there for the grocery experience. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe I'm just bored and I just want to go to the grocery store. Well, that's, yeah. that's the thing. Like going out now is going shopping for groceries. Like I'm going out today. It's going to be fun. Right. Or I'm going to go. Yeah. Or I'm going to go. I'm going to go actually pick up the food I'm going to take home tonight <laughs> yeah. instead take of out. delivery. <laughs> Lots of fun. Um, so uh we got some super chats. Oh, we do? Yes, we do. Okay. Vincent see. Moretti. You want to get get it? Yeah. My my amigos, hope you guys are well. Question for Dave. Uh I built a 20 watt Marshall S amp in Bruce's Bruce Egnator's class. I'd like to tweak it. Have you modded those amp kits? Uh is a JJ pos- possible? Uh yeah, uh yes. It's possible. Yes. Pretty sure. I've hmm. seen I've seen schematics of them. Uh, yes, they can be done. Yes, I could tell you how to do it. Maybe. <laughs> or you can send it to you. Or you can send it to me either way. Yeah. Because I need another box in my living room. <laughs> <laughs> to go with the other 10 or so. Uh, James Maxwell, thanks for the super chat. Uh, thanks for email help, Dave. I ordered a PT20 heading cab from Sweetwater. Uh, yes, yeah, switching from Kemper to Real Amps Live again. Awesome. I hope you used our link for Sweetwater, if you did. Um, probably not. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> That's all right. But while I'm saying that, um, make sure you guys hang on. check out. If you, if you listeners want to support the channel, please check out Sweetwater and uh, check the link out. And, you know, it helps support our channel, which is yeah. nice because we don't get anything to do this. Except, yeah, like the occasional beer, maybe. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, check out Sweetwater and, and click the link. It'll take you right to Sweetwater. And then anything you buy there, we get a little little commission on, basically. So, um, so that's cool. Uh, and thanks for the super chat, James. 
so yeah, the, I actually love the, P, the PT20. I had it, um, but because I had the BE100 behind me, and I also have the JJ, I didn't need it at all. So I, I actually sold the, I had the Wildwood PT20. So I sold it. Great am. Bastard. Yeah, don't. <laughs> it was actually in, it was in red Tolex, actually. Hmm. Even cooler. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. The guy who got it for me on Reverb loved it. Loved it. So, does red does red Tolex sound better? Do you think? It's got an edge. I, I I don't know. You should ask Jakey Lee. Yeah, I think I think red Tolex sounds better. <laughs> It's a little brighter, I think. Red, red, or maybe purple. Yeah, yeah. Well, the purple makes is, which one sounds better, purple or red? Red has a different tone, but purple just makes you play faster. Oh, ah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Now, what the hell does snakeskin do for you? I have oh. no idea. Yeah, no, please no. <laughs> Don't do the snakeskin. Well, <laughs> unless it's like something cool, like like the. So uh, like alligator black, yeah. Or, you know, not the traditional snake skin, not yeah. The, yeah. the the old Soldano snake skin. Please no. Yeah, I'm sorry if any of you like that, but I don't particularly like it. So. <laughs> I didn't like it even back in when it was popular. It's a little passe. Yeah, I, I like actually ma I made I made I hate to say it, but I made a B100 head shell with it once. You did. But it was a special bird, right? I wanted it, and it was, it we made it. It wasn't and, uh, <laughs> wasn't my thing. Let's say it wasn't yeah. my thing. I, but man, he was really happy. So I'm happy that he was happy. Mm -hmm. Now that that Tolex, I mean, it's just imitation snakeskin. Right? That's all it is. No, yeah. real snake. Real snake. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's real snake. <laughs> make the jam. Speaking of that, can you can you remember when Warren did the this you know the skin on the guitar, the snake skin or whatever on the guitar? Yeah, and it was like real skin. Can you imagine how much that affected the tone? It was. Yeah, you got to think about it. It's like tolexing a guitar, basically. Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine it was like necessarily thinner, but yeah, I can't, can't imagine it was the best thing. But yeah, he made it work. He did make it work. It did work. <laughs> Iconic too. Actually, a friend of mine just sent me a picture of it. Um, oh my god, it's probably peeling now. No, it's actually. You want to see it? I'll, I'll show it. This um, is a real guitar. The actually his guitar. This is the actual guitar that is in a uh, some place. Let me find it. Hang on. Uh, I can't. I can't pull it up. Uh, here it is. Let's see. I'll make it a little bigger for you guys. Can you see? Yeah, it? can't. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of see it. It's in a bar. Where is it? Uh, in Reykjavik, Iceland. Wait, I think a Hard Rock in Iceland. Oh, like it's oh, there yeah. now. Yeah, in Iceland, or is it on loan? I guess I don't know. That's what they wrote me. They There's Hard Rocks left. <laughs> I, know, right? I guess in Iceland. Iceland still exists. <laughs> I would have think I would have thought they would have gone out of business with no. Uh, Those martinis are kicking in, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Well, they might have melted by now. Mm. Yeah, because tourism is what pays to keep it not melted. 
Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows that. Keeps it cold. Yeah. For sure. So um, we got some questions about uh, your Charvel stuff that you do. Let's talk oh, about that. Yeah, sure. Um, Mike Tempesta. Where's oh, Mike? Tempesta. <laughs> Where's Mike? <laughs> yeah, Mike's a good dude. The uh, Eric Johnson. <laughs> yeah, that is the Eric Johnson, by the way. Uh, <laughs> how, how did Jordan decide on Blue Sparkle for the Charvel? Honestly, I just don't feel like I've seen a lot of Blue Sparkle guitars, and I just wanted to do something that was a little bit different. And it's weird because growing up, red was always my favorite color, and I hated blue my whole life. And then in the last, like, four years, blue became one of my favorite colors. And I'm like, I don't have any blue guitars. So I decided to do the Blue Sparkle Charvel, and I wanted it to be a telly. I wanted to do a reverse telly headstock on it because I didn't want, like, the Fender Strat-looking headstock on it. I wanted it to look like a really a cross between a Charvel and a Fender but almost more like a Fender Telecaster than a Charvel. And I did the double binding on it to make it look like a early 60s Tele and just, you know, just little details that I thought could, and and the pickguard too. So I just wanted to make it look kind of modern vintage, I guess is the best way to explain it. Oh, but, cool. but yeah, I just, I love the blue sparkle on it. It looks so cool live. Yeah, definitely. Now, is that the same one that has the Hello Kitty on it or no? Mm-hmm. It I, is. Okay. Yeah. And a couple of my guitars have the Hello Kitty on it. And it literally kind of started um kind of started as a joke, to be honest. I had a in fact I had this purple Charvel that had a pink Hello Kitty sticker on it. That was my initial rat guitar. But oh, I yeah, had I I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, but I had that guitar before I was playing with Rat and that's the guitar I used for the, when I went to jam with them the first time. And I know they were like, the fuck is this dude bringing in a fucking purple guitar with a pink Hello Kitty sticker on it? (laughs) I just thought it was fucking hilarious. And then on top of that, I knew that people would be kind of upset that Warren wasn't in the band anymore. So I thought it was extra hilarious to have a guitar with a pink Hello Kitty sticker on it. So I just kept playing it and it just kind of, like I said, it was kind of a joke, but then people like really loved it. And, and it seemed like a lot of girls loved that I had the Hello Kitty thing on it. So it's just like, you know, it kind of, I don't know, it just made people happy that I did that. So now I just kind of like putting Hello Kitty on my guitar, even though it started as a joke. It's kind of just become a thing that I like to do. Right. That's funny. Yeah, I have to say, even, even when I first saw it, I was like, what's he doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> Hey, but it worked, right? So yeah, yeah. Now, if you have to come out with a signature model, you gotta you have to have a license from uh, Hello Kitty. I know. Well, what I'll do is I'll sell the Hello Kitty stickers on my website and keep all the money for the stickers. <laughs> and there you go. Yeah, I want to embezzle from Hello Kitty. Yeah, I, I, well, I it won't take very long before they shut you down. <laughs> That's true. You or better lawyer up. Yeah, lawyer. Up. Hello Kitty's my thing now. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I, I think I'm going to take over the Beanie Baby world. I'm going to put those on my guitar. Beanie Babies? Beanie Babies on your guitar. Okay. Yeah. How about that? Or Bedazzle. Just glue them on the guitar. Just a bunch of Beanie Babies. <laughs> on the Just dolls that hanging. That even better than Snakeskin. Probably. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Um, what about the Jackson stuff that you're playing? What model do you play Jackson? So the Jackson that I play is just a kind of a custom shop. Um, kind of a, it's a Monarch, which is like their kind of uh, Les Paul type looking guitar. No, let me call it single cut to make it more PC. They're single cut guitar. And um, basically it's, it's just basically that, but it has like an arch, a different type of arch top on it. And it's a seven string and it has in their seven strings normally have like a 25.5 inch um, scale length. And I made it 24.75 to make it more like a, like a Gibson scale length. Cause I actually like the short scale length because I really like how the leads feel on it. So and I like to use kind of heavier gauge strings. Mm -hmm. And when I wear it lower, it feels more comfortable to me because the distance is a little shorter. So it's like, I don't know how to explain it, but it's like just more comfortable to wear low. Mm. So that yeah. guitar had a lot of thought put into it as far as playing it live. Cause I like to wear my guitars pretty low and, um, and it has a much thicker neck on it than like the production guitar does and the body is thicker too. That was by spec, by your choice that you wanted it that way? Yeah, I like really fat necks. Like my favorite guitars have like early 50s, kind of like a like a 54 Strat neck, mm -hmm. or like a 58 Les Paul neck. Those are like, that's kind of like, I really love that kind of stuff. I, I, totally like the, I like the Charvel necks too, but I've just, for some reason, grown really accustomed to really fat necks on my guitar. I'm the same way. I prefer a fatter neck on a guitar. Mm -hmm. uh, my telly oh, over here, um, it's you know like a 52 reissued telly. It's got that U boat neck. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just yeah. fat. It's fat as fuck. I mean, and yeah. then, then I had um, uh, God, who was who did the neck for me? Then I had the neck basically made the same size for a uh, kind of a one humbucker style, you know, super strat kind of guitar, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, just super fat neck. But then I'll go to like an Ibanez and I'll play like a wizard neck. Oh, right. know, yeah. Which is yeah. ridiculous. So it's like going from what I, I, I seem to be able to adapt to that, you know, going from a real fat neck to a skinnier neck. How do, how do you feel when you do that? I mean, you can, yeah, you it hurts no? my hand because I think, I don't know. I, I feel like, so I have really big hands, first of all. Chicks like my hands, but anyways, <laughs> anyways, I feel like I can't um, grab on anything. So what ends up happening is like, I feel like my thumb is kind of like floating and I get like hand cramps, honestly, when I play really thin necks. And when I first started playing with Marty, actually, like I had pretty bad tendonitis in my hands. Like it, it hurt me to play guitar for even short periods of time. So Ever since then, I'm just pretty sensitive to certain things. Like thin necks really fuck with my hands. It just, it literally hurts my hands, so I can't even do it. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it, I don't get a cramp with it, at least the, the RG550 that I have for my hand. But um, it is the thinnest neck I've ever had. That's for sure. Yeah, they just, they just don't feel comfy to me. And they don't feel like anything. They just, like, when I hit a really hard chord with a fat neck, I feel the neck actually, like, resonating yes you know i i find the fatter neck there is more 
there's more uh, vibration in the body and the neck of the guitar. I don't know. Is mm -hmm. that, what do you think about that, Dave? Yeah, I mean, uh, one of my favorite necks actually is, uh, and it goes from an old Fender basically, is an old V-necks. Right. I, I, I tend to like uh, kind of a soft V mm -hmm. because it fits kind of right in the palm of your hand, you know, right down the V fits right in the palm of your hand. Yeah. And you're not getting some of what you were saying where you're resting your thumb on a really thin neck. Right. You kind of, it's filling it out. Those can be a little skinnier and still feel like they're filling your hand out. Um, I really like that. I, it's funny. I mean, I like the guitars that I do and the guitars that we make. Um, some of my favorite guitars, I have some, I have a couple uh, road worn fender strats mm -hmm. that have been kind of hot rotted and stuff. And, and that the, they're the fifties ones, so they're a V neck. They're not the biggest neck in the world, um, but the V just fits my hand nicely. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. yeah, v necks are pretty comfy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've got a V neck on my G and L. I I also have a weird thing for like I particularly like uh, I don't like super flat radiuses either. I <laughs> I actually prefer a rounder radius. I, I get um, it. Yeah. Uh, especially for rhythm stuff, a rounder radius is awesome. Mm -hmm. I understand that it can fret out, you know, if you're playing leads, you know, super high up the neck. But you know, hey, raise your action a little. I like <laughs> I like pretty high action with thick strings. You know, I really like to dig into the guitar and be able to smack on it without it going out of tune. Mm. You know, so I get that. Do you like? I mean, would you say you like twelve inch radius necks? I I like it rounder than that. You like it rounder, so like I like a, like nine, like a Fender, like an old nine, Fender. Ten. No, well, not like the. I I mean, I even like the vintage radiuses, but not if you're gonna be, you know, soloing like, like nine, like but like nine and a half, not like not, a, yeah, nine and a half, something like the, that. Not the seven and a quarter. That's just that's oh, it's brutal. I had I had. Well, see, I like that too. Do you? <laughs> yeah, but if yeah. you if you're doing chords, if you're doing chords, yeah, and, it feels really playing cool. rhythm. It's fine. It feels right. really good on rhythm, like super. Yeah. 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 I agree. It almost agree. feels better on rhythm. Well, I mean, a lot of our guitars are compound radius, so, you know. Right. Mm -hmm. 10 to 14, so. Yeah. Did Grover really do, invent that? Yeah. Compound radius? That's amazing. That's yeah. something you can't, like, he couldn't trademark yeah. that. Or I don't know how I feel about compound radius, honestly, but, I mean, I think it's cool. Uh, I, think I, a lot, I think a lot of people love it. I'm kind of the kind of person that can kind of grab a ton of different guitars as long as it's not a fucking Ibanez wizard neck and I can kind of play on it, you know? But I think a lot of people like all those kind of spec things where it's like, oh, so it's, you know, rounder over here for rhythm and then, you know, flatter over here for leads. And I'm kind of just like, okay, but like... I can make it work no matter what it is. Is that going to make you play better? You know, no. I, I find the no. people that are the pickiest about that stuff are like, okay, well... Let me hear you play guitar. <laughs> well, you know the you know the funny thing that was pretty pretty interesting for me is I remember when Steve Stevens would always tell me he goes now nah, I like my action a little higher, and it, he goes just when you think it's high enough for me set it just a little higher. Mm -hmm. He goes because the guitar will ring properly. Exactly. And and it's funny I was adjusting a guitar that he got from us for him and trying to raise it, you know, higher. Cause I knew, and I actually listened to it 
and then adjusted it and listened to it again. And I'm like, oh, I totally hear what he's talking about right now. I totally, I, I mean, like it, I mean, I understood it, but I really just heard it right then. And I'm like, going, oh, yeah, that does sound better. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that 100%. It took me a long time to, in fact, when I was younger, like, like in, um, you know, when I was like 17 to 20 years old, I played Les Pauls most of the time. And I had nine gauge strings on them tuned down mm -hmm. a half step. Yeah, and, and, and the action was super fucking low. Mm -hmm. I was being such a little bitch about it, you know? <laughs> and, then, and then eventually it's like, now I use 11s with like pretty high action on it. And it just, I play way better. Well, the interesting thing is the tone was strange. Yeah, it's everything. Well, 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 it's interesting because sometimes going too big on strings actually is it's rid of the snap. It gets it's it's like too bassy or too dark or it doesn't quite work. I I agree. Um, I mean, for me, I'll just do tens at that E flat. I'm okay with yeah. that. Yeah. Um. Um. But there's a thing about nines. Yeah. Like for those guys, you know, especially with old vintage Marshalls, to be honest, mm -hmm. there's a thing about really like gauge strings with those old vintage Marshalls because, you know, some of them tend to not be as tight as modern amps and things like that. And the less bass that you're pumping through the front end of them, the better, the, the tighter right. it will seem. So if you can get away with nines, like the Van Halen thing was, you know, nine a nine to forty set originally oh, at wow. E flat. That's crazy to me. I can't at E flat. But if you listen, if you're just listening and not yeah. worrying about how you're playing the guitar and knocking it out of tune, and you listen to these old plexi amps and you listen to those string gauge, you're like, I get it. It really just sounds good that way. Well, it, it's definitely, in a way, a tighter sound, and you get more snap out of the string. So, like, I can understand that. Um, so I just kind of will set my amp accordingly to kind of the gauge strings I'm using. So, like, you know you know exactly how it works. When you turn up the volume on the amp more, it starts to get more flubbery. There's, like, yeah. that, that sweet spot. And then, you know, turn the low end down a bit. And it, it, it just works for me. But okay. anything, but I think everything more than 11s is is completely loses all that snappiness out of it. No, is, is that 11 to, is, is that 11 to 48 or yes. is it yeah, okay. It's 11 to 48. That's a slightly lighter on the bottom 11 set. Yeah, but I also pick super hard to get that snap out of it. You know what I mean? Mhm. Mm you're in standard? Down a half step. Okay. All right, so that helps. Mhm. Mm and um, I know, you know, we're talking about EVH. He also played with a very thin pick back then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all, you know, that's the other thing. It's it's also, it's, it's. I think I've brought this up on other shows. So, you know, a lot of the time, I, I remember when I first got one of his Wolfgang guitars, and it was small frets, and I had it set up just like his, actually mm -hmm. by... by um, by uh what's his name at fender um the name is escaping me right now um and yeah no um 
No, no, no. The the guy was going to come on our show, but hasn't yet. Does the EVH guitars? Oh, uh, Chip Ellis. Chip Ellis. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and Chip uh, had set it up, and you know it's nine nines E flat, but small frets. And if you think about this for a minute, it totally makes sense. It's all scalable, so to speak. So you don't want nines at E flat with big, huge frets. You're going to pull it out of tune. Right. Because when you fret it down, if you push too hard, you have all that room to push it out of tune. Exactly. And so small yeah. frets with the light strings make total sense to me. Mm -hmm. That makes total sense. Also, the gauge of pick you're going to use. You're not going to use a super heavy pick on nine eight, nines down to E flat with big frets. Oh my God, you'll never be in tune. Right. You, you, I mean, ever. So a light pick makes sense with small frets with light strings like that. Totally makes sense. It's all scales appropriately. You right. Know what I mean? No, it, that makes perfect sense. I've never actually really quite thought about it that deep. Yeah. And, and it, it kind of dawned on me when I was playing this guitar and I'm like, going, okay, I got to be careful how I'm hitting this guitar. Um, because you know, you can easily knock it out of tune, but if you try, cause at one point in time he was using a light pick and if you use a light pick, which I tried with those strings and those smaller frets, it's just like, Oh yeah, it's fine now, mm -hmm. <laughs> but use the extra heavy, you know, stone pick or something. And club <laughs> <laughs> out. Whoa. A lot of people, a lot of people use immensely heavy gauge picks today, and like that's I don't like heavy gauge picks. Think, once again, you lose that snappy sound out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. what are you what are you using? I use like one which is you know fairly on the heavier side compared to what you would consider light. But but I mean, I know people that use two two point which is like yeah, big. it's like so. Uh, I use a point seventy three. Yeah, which to me, I, I don't know. I use a medium. I like medium, celluloid pick. A medium like is probably like one, like around what I use, probably like a fender medium pick, like a, yeah. just a standard celluloid pick. Yeah, in fact, my favorite ones always have been the confetti picks, those are probably mm -hmm. about a 1.0, like you said. Yeah, aren't they? You think they're somewhere around like 1.0, something like they're, that? Yeah. yeah, probably something like that. I like to bend them actually, like, yeah, and, and a little bit because you know you can you can kind of morph it to how you want it to be you know you can kind of bend it a little bit if you want it a little stiffer or mm -hmm. or not i mean they get out of shape and they wear out quick but mm. it's okay <laughs> I, I love those confetti picks though you know the reason i really like the confetti picks is if you drop them on the ground you can find them <laughs> <laughs> you know the multicolor the red white and blue and those the thing you can always find them yeah mm -hmm. that's great because I, I've got these blue ones, uh, they're uh, flow by uh, uh huh, which are cool, but I lose them all the time. They just like disappear in the carpet, disappear in everything. I use the uh, Oltex ones. I don't know if you know what those are, but they're oh, I know what those are. Those are yeah, the, these like these like yellowish clear ones. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and they have a tone to them. You know, if you if you take them and kind of just like you drop them compared to what oh. other picks sound like, they have like a brighter glassier sound to them so that alone also adds a little bit more of that snappiness that mm -hmm. um that brightness i guess you'd call mm -hmm. it. So yeah it's, it's really interesting if you're in the studio ever you know get a whole bunch of different picks mm -hmm. and 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 just hear it recorded back 
and what, what the different picks do. And you'll find some stuff and like, oh, for this part, I'm going to use this pick. <laughs> right, right. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. really like these. They're, they just, yeah. I feel like I use thicker strings. I do everything I can to get a brighter sound out of the guitar, you know? Yeah, so you like it really bright. It's not that I want it to be super bright. It's just that when I do certain things, it, it make like using like heavier gauge strings, like you said, makes the guitar sound a little bit darker. Yeah. So using these picks to me make the guitar have more snap come through. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. It's all sort of scalable. Again, it's like it's yeah. all like you know that like I said, the small fret, the small strings, the light pick makes total sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everyone just kind of finds their combination of things that work. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But but yeah, that that makes perfect sense. The light gauge strings, the light pick, the small frets, all that stuff. Totally. Um, we got a super chat from Nick Mars. Uh, this is for you, Dave. In general, is a Freeman Dirty Shirley exponentially darker sounding than a BE100, specifically early, early models of both amps? Um, there is a there is a cap in a Dirty Shirley that does roll off a considerable amount of top end, but there's other things in the Dirty Shirley that make kind of make it brighter, so it's kind of compensating for it. Um. It's a little on the darker, Dirty Shirley's on the darker, bassier side. It's it because that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to be this kind of vintagey, fat JTM 45 e kind of thing, classic rock sort of thing. Um, so yes, a little less bright, but I mean, earlier B100s are darker than newer ones, newer ones are much brighter than the older ones. Um, just well, because, just because, uh, well, I mean, brighter. They're, they're, either amp you can make just as bright as each other, just where you're setting the knobs, really. Um, I I just responded to some people's comments on things over the years and kind of tweaked things a bit. Gotcha. That's cool. Um, so we also had a question earlier uh, from Paul Bonfiglio. He says, how different is Marty Friedman's? Um, I think he was referring to the neck and specs on his Monarch or guitar that he played Jackson. Well, he uses a six string guitar, so it's kind of really hard to compare, I suppose, the, the necks, but I guess the neck is very similar in, in like girth. Um, but I mean, I don't even know. It's like a seven string versus six string. I'd say my seven string is like the closest I could get to his guitar as a, as a seven string. Cause I wanted the short scale length and, and all those kind of specs on it. So oh, I missed that. It was a seven string earlier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you like playing the seven string? Honestly, I really hated it at first, but now it's really fun. I kind of enjoy it for doing different genres of music and, and I enjoy playing it in Marty's band. But when I started playing in Marty's band, um, I never played a seven string guitar before, but most of his music calls for the rhythms being on seven strings. So it was kind of, kind of weird. And, and like I said, I had tendonitis at the time. So it was just like such a brutal experience for me. Cause I was, I was just physically struggling to do it. So, but now I actually really like playing on the seven string guitars. But he doesn't play the seven strings live because he doesn't like to play them live. He just plays everything. If he's doing rhythm stuff, it's kind of like an octave higher kind of thing. Hmm. 
But he records with a seven string. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow, did not know that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I guess the neck would be different. It's hard to judge. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, I'm not like super super nerdy about being able to explain the shape of a neck. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. I, th I want to say the seven string guitar I have is like a a D shape ish but not like a really harsh D it's like a soft D. So it's like closer to a C, mm -hmm. but maybe it's a C. I honestly just haven't played that guitar in a few months. So I don't really, I don't know, but Marty's guitar is definitely like a C shape. So how would you compare the, uh, the experience between touring with Marty and, you know, that experience between, and then with rat? Well, with rat, we mostly just would fly out on, we did like a couple, little small run tours together um, where we do like eight or nine shows on the East coast and be on a bus and stuff. But um, for the most part, we just kind of fly out on the weekends and play like a Friday and a Saturday or something like that. So, but with Marty, we'll get in a bus and go play like 25 shows in 30 days. Wow. Yeah. So back to back. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool. And um, do you enjoy it? enjoy the touring experience i love i love touring yeah just you know i love hanging out with all these people you know they're all everyone's become really close friends of mine and um i love playing shows for people i love traveling around and just meeting different people and meeting um fans and just you know i like the whole experience i don't get to like go around and do a lot of sightseeing but i just enjoy meeting people i really I really enjoy playing for people and meeting people. So I really enjoy it. That's cool. This is a good question, actually. Uh, Paul asks, how was your recovery from tendonitis? Basically, I just went to um, like hand therapy for like six months. So it was kind of doing different exercises, different kinds of stretches, um, different kinds of heating. Um, I forget what that thing is called, but it's like that, you know, that muscle stimulator that like, yeah, machine. yeah that i did that different massages and just like you know and at home i would stretch my hands and i would um ice my hands and heat my hands every single day so it was just a lot of repetitive exercises stretching massaging tens machine um icing and heating and that's really all you can really do but luckily eventually it kind of just went away yeah. Great. Thank God. In, yeah. in fact, it was interesting because I was talking to Marty and Marty told me that because he knew I had the problem, but you know, I still said, I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll be able to do the gig. But he told me when he first started playing with Megadeth that he had the same problem with, he had tendonitis in his hands in one of his hands, I think not both of them. I kind of had it in both. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah, but at least you got over it. So that's good. Oh, I was so freaked out about it. I mean, I threw my guitar at the wall one day because I was so upset because I just was like, I was scared. Like I thought, I thought I wouldn't be able to play guitar anymore. Yeah. And then when you have it in both hands, like, you know, because uh, that must suck. And then the other thing is once you have it and it's always in the back of your mind, like, am I going to fucking get it again? Yeah, it's... So. As long as I think I stretch somewhat regularly and I, you know what I mean? Like 
Yeah. At least I know if it comes back a little bit, like I know what I can do to make it go away. I feel like I had gotten uh, like a, they call it tennis elbow, but I don't play tennis, mm-hmm. but whatever. You know, like I got, got that in the elbow thing and I had to go to physical therapy for a while. And I started doing those exercises and this like one thing about stretching your hand. Like with uh-huh. a rubber band. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and just bring like put a rubber band around your fingers and doing like this kind of exercise. Yeah, because everyone has more strength this way than they do this way. Right. You know, so it really helped a lot. That was, that yeah. was a big thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, tendonitis is really shitty. Uh Stephen Douglas has a question. Uh, which rat song does Jordan feel was most difficult to learn and or play live? Uh, I felt like they all felt kind of the same to learn, but um, I don't know. I don't feel like there was any one that was more difficult to learn or play live. I did it just kind of all fun to play because I listened to them when I was younger and knew how to play a few of them before I, you know, played with rats. So mm. yeah. I would think that the the gig for Marty is much more technically challenging. Yeah, it's yeah the the seven string rhythm stuff is really ridiculous on some of the songs. And then we do a lot of lead stuff where we'll do octaves together, do harmonies together. You know. Yeah, that band is insane. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, you guys are cool. It's fucking. I mean, and that ba- the bass player. I don't know her name, but she is. Yeah, she. Kiyoshi. Kiyoshi. Just yeah. phenomenal to watch. So yeah. much fun. She's just all over the place. So much energy. It's yeah, Kiyoshi's so cool. I love her so much. She's just like such a cool person. And the drummer too. I mean, he's kicking ass. I mean, yeah. it's, a great, it's just a great, great band. Mm-hmm. I missed you guys. I was going to go. I actually had tickets to see you at NAM. Was it the NAM we did two years ago? I think so. Um, yeah, two years ago, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you were at the uh, House of Blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But there was another show that somehow I got pulled away and I didn't go. Yeah, yeah, because that other show was just way fucking better than. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was saying that it was gonna. <laughs> I don't know why I missed it because I a bunch of my friends had said they went to the House of Blue and they were like, "Dude, that was a killer show." <laughs> I know why I missed it. I don't go to any shows. I actually know why I missed it, Dave. I went to dinner with you guys, I think. Oh, it was my fault. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Wait, which dinner was that? (laughs) I don't know. It might have been the the steak dinner that I couldn't miss. Oh, my God. The $1,800 dinner? (laughs) (laughs) I love expensive dinners. Oh, that was a great uh, yeah, one. yeah. You get the bill, and everyone's at the tables looking at it, going, "Oh, oh. my god!" <laughs> so, so fucking worth it, though. Uh, if it, if it's great, yes. Yeah, it, if it's it great, be. it's so worth it. It can be if it's great, but you know, but that was great that night. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's like that's the catch down there in. Uh, oh yeah, yeah the catch you've been there, there right? So the tomahawk steaks, which are like a huge ribeye yeah. with a bone hanging off the side of the plate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It, that gets expensive. 
<laughs> you know, like the average price per person is like, uh, you know, like by the time you're done is like 150 bucks with drinks or something. Yeah. yeah. Times we had like probably about 10, 12 people. 12 yeah. or 13 people. Yeah. So, so it was, he, yeah, it was a huge bill. It was like painful. <laughs> it was do really like, painful. Do you like oysters? Oh, yeah. God, I fucking love oysters. I haven't found anywhere to go since the whole quarantine thing started to get really good oysters. Well, that's going to be hard right now. You know, uh, and, it, and it's very open again, you know? It's so, it's, I'm so upset about it. In fact, I'm more upset about that than anything in the world right where, now. Where, where are you living now? You're, you're living here now. I'm in uh, Brentwood. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Nice Fam- area. Famous Brentwood. Famous Brentwood. Where uh, OJ. Mm, yes. You know, you can. Um, right down uh, the street from me. Is it right down the street? Right down the street, yeah. Uh, there's good oysters. There's a place that I, I go f- for oysters, but it's in Ventura. So, um, mm-hmm. but, but I like going up to Ventura and just hanging out at the beach for the day. Well, we'll have to well, go not, to not really the beach. Walking around the town. Yeah. We'll have to go <laughs> get oysters when things kind of open back up. Absolutely, man. We're, 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 we're doing I, it. There's this place I like to go to in Santa Monica called Herringbone. Have you ever heard of it? Oh, I know about it. Yeah. I've and heard about every, it. Every day. Well, not they're not open right now, but every day they would do happy hour from like four to seven, something yeah. like that. And they do dollar oysters there, and they're like wow. really fucking good oysters. Oh, really? Wow. I'll go there and eat like 40 oysters. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm yeah. When that place opens back up, I'll let you know, and we'll go there. Absolutely, man. We'll do it for sure. I'm, I'm totally into oysters. Yeah. Me too. Sushi, oysters, yeah, and that's Thai the, food. That's the fucking love Thai food. I love Thai food. Best. I love really good Thai food. I love Asian food, you know? Yeah. In general. They just do it the best. Uh, although there there isn't much good Chinese in Los Angeles. Well, mm-hmm. uh, well, actually, let me rephrase that. There is, but you have to go to San Gabriel Valley. Where's that? Um, that would be... Uh, well... It's kind of out Pasadena way, sort of. Kind oh, of. Okay. okay. It's not. It's not that far. It, 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 like San Gabriel Valley would be the place where all the Asian restaurants are. But yeah, yeah, that's still yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I grew up on the East Coast, so like on the East Coast, there was there was always really good Chinese food, amazing, um, amazing Chinese food on the East Coast. Um, and I mean, I, I grew up in Detroit, Chinese food, whatever. It was just chi- Chinese food. It was good. And then I came here. I'm like, this isn't really Chinese food, man. Right. <laughs> or this is, where's the egg rolls? <laughs> yeah. And like in, uh, you know, in Arizona and Phoenix and Scottsdale, there's like a bunch of amazing Mexican food places. And oh yeah. In, in California, I still haven't found a lot of like great Mexican food places. Really? In LA. That's interesting. But maybe, maybe, you know, I mean, you know more than I do. I've, well, I've, Oh, great Mexican! Like as a sit-down place or uh, a um, honestly, just anything, just or anything. A, like more of a authentic style. Stand. Yeah, just like authentic. I'm more about authentic. 
Oh, there's there's lots of those that are they're good, and they're all a little different. There's some, yeah, there's some good stuff. I can hip you. Yeah, I love I love this food conversation. I'm such a foodie. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, we're in trouble, man. When all this ends. Yeah, no, we have a lot. You you probably have a lot of cool places to show me. There's a bunch of cool places, man. Um, Although not not as many, you know. The funny thing is, I always say that there there's some cool places here, but uh, where I'm from, Detroit is where I'm from originally, and and Detroit these days. Um, well, I mean, I'm not sure about right now, but these days, the food in Detroit's unfucking believable. Hmm. The restaurants there are world class, unbelievable. You know, it's it, it's interesting. I can't touch them here. It's well, it's not even close. It's interesting you say that about Detroit because um, I did a show with Rat in Detroit um, last year, late last year at some point, and that it was like I can't remember what restaurant it was, but it was just I I can't I can't, don't even remember what I got, but it was kind of high end ish. Uh-huh. Fucking unbelievably good, and it was downtown. Okay, well, I, I if 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 you could remember the name of the restaurant, I probably know it. it. Was right here. I played at the Fillmore. Okay, I know where that is. So, uh, right. not uh, Gray Ghost. No, no. Um, walking distance though, I just can't fucking remember. What it was all the restaurants are downtown are badass. They're okay. I think it was at this restaurant where they had these like these bubbles outside like these like igloo type things have you seen that uh, oh was it um like where oh. you could you could reserve these like they looked like igloos kind of but they were clear and you could go sit in there that's what it was but i can't remember what it was called there's so many good restaurants in downtown there that it's, yeah. it's scary how good they are yeah i was um, i was really i guess i wasn't that surprised but it was just it was just really- what that town had had. Well, I'm not sure what's going to happen now, but what that town had become was a mecca for chefs and and art uh, artists and different things. When when the town started rebuilding, it was like this huge, just like this this thing that started happening there. That were you know like chefs would move there and open these great restaurants and like, but inventive restaurants, not. Not just like a cool hip restaurant that's cool looks yeah it looks cool inside like, great creative, the, the creative. food like kind of eh yeah. you know, it's good but not creative not not interesting okay. and um you know so many of the restaurants are very interesting in in their choices and flavors and what they chose to put together um it's like a great song you know what I mean so it's like uh oh Paul. I can't pronounce your last name, Paul. Uh, Lumen Detroit? Lumen? I actually don't know Lumen. That's one I don't know. But there's some there's some killer ones, man. I mean... And then this was a recommendation. Also, the Mayo restaurant in East LA. Mayo for Mexican food? Yeah. I'm going to write that down. Huh. Never heard of that one. Tamayo. I got a great deli I know in in Los Angeles. <laughs> I love if you want pastrami, you got to go to Langer's Langer's Deli. 
Number Ooh, 19 sandwich. It. It's unbelievable. I love pastrami. If you if you like pastrami, number 19 from Langer's. It's yeah. it's right across from MacArthur Park downtown. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have curbside pickup, which is really nice right now. They always mm-hmm. do anyway. And uh, and that will blow your mind. Actually, some of the food, if you do a search on them on a YouTube, you'll see a bunch of food critics think that it might be the best pastrami in the U.S. Hold on. <laughs> really? I'm, what's, that, what's that called? Langer's. How do you spell it? Like just L-A-N-G-E-R. I got it. I yep. got it. All right, cool. uh, number nineteen is the sandwich. It's okay. Like, that's the particular, the, the specialty at least. Nineteen. Number nineteen. There's lots of other sandwiches there uh, with pastrami and different things, but nineteen's mm. got coleslaw and rye bread and Russian dressing, and it's love rye bread. <laughs> Stephen Douglas. I'm just getting all hungry right now. Oh uh, yeah, we're all getting hungry now. So sorry, people. It's, it's food talk, not tone talk. <laughs> food talk. We should start a food, food talk. Show. Drink talk. Screw <laughs> tone talk. We talk about everything on here. Yeah, definitely. I'm starting to get hungry. That's for sure. Like like I said, stuff morphs on the show a little bit, so you get you get to bear with us here. But all this is valuable information. Ah, Sammy Bowler. What's up, Sammy? How you doing, man? Sammy Bowler. Yeah, we took Sammy to Langer's. He's got the big hard eyes there. Uh, we, we actually ate there with him and David Black and uh, when he was in town for Last Nam. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's yeah, it's like kind of a religious experience. Where does Sammy live? <laughs> huh? Where does Sammy live? Detroit. Detroit. Oh, oh, lives in Detroit. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Sammy's a great guitar player. Mm-hmm. So we have a question here. I think he's about your same age. Yeah, you guys are about the same age, right? 28, 29, I think Sammy is now, right, Sammy? Answer. (laughs) (laughs) I think I met you when you were 24. Uh, Could you ask Dave why the tone circuits on so many vintage amps don't make much of a difference? Tone circuits. Like on a vintage Marshall or something, if you're talking. Um, well, I mean, here's the thing. The more <clears throat> the EQ is no different whatsoever from say a vintage Marshall to my amp, but um the more signal level you put through the EQ, meaning the more gain stages are in front of it, the more the EQ seems active. The less signal you put through the EQ, the less it seems to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I bet if you, I bet if you, uh, blast the pedal through it, the EQ seems more active. Like an overdrive pedal. Yeah. I mean, like if you take a stock Marshall, for instance, and just blast an overdrive pedal through it, I bet the EQ seems more active than it did with no, you know, I, I don't know. I haven't done that in so many years. I wouldn't do that. Oh, he's only 27. He's the baby. Oh, you're a baby. I'm 29 now. I'm old. He's the old. He's the old man now, Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think this was. It was his birth. Uh, Vinny's birthday dinner. I think that may maybe that's when I missed the show. That might have been it. Not sure. Uh, um, let's see. This is 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 Frankie Lindia cool in real life? Hey, he's, not a real, he's not a real person. No, he's not. <laughs> 
Frankie, Frankie's one of my best buds. Frankie's all. Frankie lives in Burbank. He's a good dude. I don't know who Frankie is. Frankie, Frankie, yeah. um, Frankie guitar for David Lee Roth at his Vegas gigs recently. Oh, okay, I do know who he is. Yeah, yeah at the Fender booth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Frankie's a Frankie's. I a met man. him there at the Fender booth. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good dude. I do. Sorry. Super. I also, I also fucking hate him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Me too. He'll know what that means. <laughs> he's probably not watching right now, though, so it's funnier. No, and damn him for not watching. Yeah, there you go. Someone, someone said, imagine Sammy and Jordan smoking those riffs in Rat. Wow, mm -hmm. that would be a lineup. Whew. <laughs> that would be sick. Mm -hmm. That would be pretty sick. <laughs> because now, Rat, that is true. Rat, you're the only guitar player in Rat now. Right now, I am the only guitar player in Rat, yeah. We did one show where I was the only guitar player in the band. And how'd that go? It was good. Was it fun? It was fun, yeah. It was fun. I would imagine that would be fun to uh, just be the sole guitar player. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, it was different, you know. I mean, I think Rat is... You know, it's it's just known as being a five piece band, but you know, it was fun. That's cool. Are there plans to replace? You know, get another guitar player? We will. Just you know, with COVID going on right now, it's kind of just you know, it's it's gonna happen. You know. There we go. We nominate Sammy. Sammy. Sammy's nominated as one of the nominees. That would be sick. That that would actually would be pretty sick and and the things you could actually do would be really interesting mm -hmm. yeah i'll uh i'll talk to sammy after this take <laughs> that's cool should i take lessons from always you? looking out for you sammy should i take lessons from frankie uh ethan yes because my cousin yeah. my cousin rich has been taking lessons from frankie for over a year now and uh, and he's gotten a lot better but so why frankie, don't you want to take lessons from me I'm kidding. Yeah, you should definitely take lessons from Frankie. He's he's a great teacher. Do you teach lessons? Do you give lessons? Sometimes on Skype, yeah. It's not like something I do normally, but I have like a couple regular students that um, I like to teach. But generally, I'm just like, I don't know. I'm just not generally teaching like as a, as a full-time kind of job. And Frankie teaches a lot, so. It gets in the way of the martinis. Yeah, it gets way the fucking way the martini. Yeah. Like, do you realize that I need to have a martini right now? Sam, Sammy, Sammy, how do you do so much teaching and uh, and still keep the drinking up? Yeah, Sammy. <laughs> Does Sammy like to drink too? Sammy likes to drink. Good. You can't trust someone that doesn't like to drink. No, he, Sammy likes to drink. <laughs> we 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 have done some damage together before. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this is. Uh, do you speak a little bit of Japanese now, Jordan? Barely, but a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of uh, Chargy and Kiyoshi and Marty teach me Japanese, and I'll teach Chargy and Kiyoshi, you know, all the funny English, dirty words and mean things you can say to people. So <laughs> awesome. that's kind of how it always goes when you have like foreign friends. You know, it's like teach me all the dirty shit. You know, that's all you really want to learn. Right. Oh yeah, you know you're not the only one that has said this. <laughs> that, 
me my my buddy Pete Thorne. He was like he he he's had many uh, Japanese gigs and and it's it's uh, yeah that's the same exactly. Yeah, yeah it's just it's just what you do. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, Stephen Douglas, Pink Taco, nine hundred dollars. JJ Junior, eleven hundred dollars. Which one should I pick up? I'd get the JJ Junior because for two hundred dollars more, you get a clean channel, a cabinet emulated DI out, and uh, well, that's that's basically what you get. Oh, and another sound, and a heavier sound too. So you know, yeah, get that. Yeah, yeah you're definitely getting. And the the tone is very close to the Pink Taco. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a little different, but it's it's gonna yeah more versatility for for a couple hundred bucks. Uh, yeah, just get the other one. So Metal Madness wants to know if he gets a finder's fee for the idea with Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> You're assuming there's any money in this, because <laughs> I bet there's not, <laughs> oh, or minimal. They got to eat, you know. Exactly. No finder's fee. Comes um, out of Sammy's cut. So, Jordan, do you, do you <laughs> use pedals and stuff like that? Are you a pedal guy? I'm honestly not much of a pedal guy, but I do work with this company called Bicos Effects. And it's this guy from Romania. And he makes overdrive pedals and compressors and stuff, but he has this it's called the Bicos effects um shit od8 or something like that and it's kind of like a like a ts808 like a like a tube screamer but it has a way more bottom end to it and it has less of that mid-range hump in it and it just kind of just has that tube screamer vibe but it's a lot just more even sounding and and um you know, like it kind of just enhances the amp. It doesn't really like change the tonality of the amp that much. So, it's it's really cool. That's that's pretty much the only overdrive I use now. Because before that, I was using a, a Maxon 808 or whatever it was called, and and comparatively, it's like it's it's not even comparable to tone. It's just the the Bicos effects is really amazing. And then other than that, um, I use GoGo tuners. Um, and that's pretty much that's pretty much all I use for pedals. I'm not a pedal guy. I'm not a huge effects guy, really. Do you use delay and reverb and that kind of stuff? No reverb. Sometimes maybe a tiny, tiny bit of delay where you don't even notice it's there. I just really like dry sounds. I think they sound big, you know? Mm -hmm. That's cool. That's cool. Fender mediums are 0.69 according to the Fender website. No way. Well, close enough. <laughs> and no, because because even Fender lights are like probably around that. Hmm. There's no way Fender mediums feel like they're like a 1.0 or something like that. I thought they were. I, I know I have a couple of them. They have they have to be. Compare it to like your 0.73 or whatever that you use. I thought I had one of those. In here, no. When I grew up, there was no point anything. It was just right, heavy, extra heavy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all there. That all that's all that existed. Yeah. So, 
And I'm not, and I'm not that particular because I'm like, I have like a range, like anywhere from 0.9 to 1.14 is like acceptable to me, but 1.14 is at the heaviest of it because I still like the pick to, you know, flex a little bit. Right. I found one. So here's a Fender Medium. Compare it. Just compare it. How it feels. Yes, it's thinner than my. It's thinner than my seventy-three. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely. high, but I'm high. I'm super stoned right now. <laughs> yeah, this was definitely bendier than this point seventy-three. So I, I'd agree. It's probably a point sixty-nine. Really? Yeah, because it definitely bends a lot easier than uh, than this one. <coughs> then what would the light be? Light is like paper. <laughs> it's crazy. really light. Huh. Interesting. Uh, so this is a good question. Is Jordan writing new material and for which bands? I'm writing new material for my solo record and for rap. Just, you know, just kind of writing it on my own right now until we can all get together and jam. And what's the uh, plan with the solo record and who's playing on it and all kinds of stuff. Just curious if you can share. Um, I'm pretty much playing everything, but um, as far as drummers go, I'm not even exactly sure who I want to play drums on it yet. I'm just not quite done writing it yet. So, so you're using like a superior drummer or some kind of drum program? Programming with Logic drums right now, but you know, it works. It sounds fine, you know? Yeah, that's cool. And um, so what's your plan for releasing it, the, the album? Well, I don't really want to release it until COVID's kind of over because it just doesn't make any sense to me, you know? Right. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like I don't, I don't think it's worth releasing anything during COVID because you can't do anything with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you, well, it's not like people buy albums anymore, right? So Right. So you got a tour behind it. Uh, yeah. they do buy vinyl. Yeah, they will. They would buy vinyl. I so, think vinyl. so, like Sammy released his record on vinyl, uh, and uh, this cool orange vinyl, and uh, um, he said he sold a lot of them. Like, like it was really, really worth it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, here's the thing. The way I see it, the reason vinyl is so popular now is because. If you go in most new cars, cars don't have CD players anymore. Mm -hmm. Computers don't have CD um, drives anymore. So right. CDs, CDs to me still sound they they do sound better than MP3s, but they're they're useless now because nothing fucking plays them. So yeah. vinyl is great because it's just like this cool thing. So it's kind of retro. So now if you want to actually buy a physical thing, you buy a record player because CDs yeah. are useless now. So that's why I think vinyls are so huge now because CDs are useless. So if you want to buy a physical thing, it should absolutely be a vinyl. Yeah, absolutely. You know? I agree with that. Totally. I think, I think cassettes are kind of cool. I think cassettes should make a comeback. I love cassettes. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> But the only, the only problem with cassettes was you couldn't go, you know, go to the next song. You know, you just had to fast forward. Even mm -hmm. on record, records, you can't, you can go to the next song, but you got to be pretty accurate moving the needle. Right. 
<laughs> right, right. You know. It's a tough guy. Yeah, that's, that's definitely something I need to get soon because I don't own a record player, but I have a bunch of records, and I just never bought a, a record player. You need that. Some speakers, a little record player. Some. There's a lot of cool record players that kind of convert to digital, so I could like plug it into my interface, I think, and then it can go yeah. to like my studio monitors. You hear yeah, it? you can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have USB. If you plugs in USB yeah. record player. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm so like purist that when I buy a record player, I'm gonna buy a tube power amp and a. You know, in the <laughs> or yeah, not, or even not even that. I mean, like you can. Um, there's tons of great old vintage solid state ones that were great, like really? Rants or something, or you know, big heavy things. I mean, if they're serviced and operating fine, I mean, you can get them for like fifty dollars or something. You really? know, like you get them for nothing. Yeah, the turntable you're going to spend more money on, but um, right. but. But but even you can get a great you can get a really good turntable a new turntable mm-hmm. like I I bought a U turn turntable which is yeah. a newer company um and you know a couple hundred bucks for the turntable but but then you know you can get it you can get an old receiver for probably a hundred bucks or less mm-hmm. and then just need a set of speakers for it which is right. interesting you got to figure that out but I just love all that stuff like I love when you hear it. Even yeah. even even the stuff that wasn't that hi-fi or wasn't that great compared to what we have now. Yeah. Night and day. It sounds infinitely better. It really yeah. does. Like, like, I mean, I'm just talking get a run-of-the-mill like techniques receiver that fifty dollars or something from the eighties and 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 a decent a decent turntable. I'm not even talking great. Right. And you plug that into a set of speakers, like you know, a, a good set of passive speakers, you know, um, and holy crap, you're just listening to it, going, "Oh yeah, that's what I remember guitar sounding like." Mm, yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's it's interesting when you hear it. Um, it it makes a difference, and and this is just stuff that's not going to cost a lot of money and it still make you happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I just I love all that old vintage gear and you know so i i'm just i'm the kind of person that when i do something i'm going to just do it the right way you yeah. know when i get a record a vinyl a turntable i want to do it the right way so yeah. i can listen to it in the real the way it was intended to be listened to yeah yeah i agree i was <clears throat> i when i got my record player for my birthday a couple years ago hooked it up to my bose speakers <laughs> thank you i just ordered another martini Wow. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was being Except rude. that martini looks like kind of like in a margarita glass. It is totally in a margarita glass. <laughs> martini glasses. <laughs> Room service. That's awesome. Uh, so we got this question. Does Jordan use any modelers? Just miking Marshalls. Yay. I use um, two two different types of miking. I do a E906 for some sounds, and then I do a Royer 121 blended with a SM57 for my other sounds through um, API mic pre's. 
into my uh, Apollo interface. So I just, I can't play without mic and guitars. It's just so uninspiring to me. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. So uh, this might be your new mantra, dry sound. Dry sound, dry martinis. You're damn right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now we had a guest on the show. Uh, uh, a former famous guitar player, uh, Steve Ferris, uh-huh. and he was a big Martini fan. And and he, I, I unfortunately asked him, "Well, what vodka are you using?" He goes, "No, no, 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 no. Vodka yeah. is not a Martini." Oh, he likes gin martinis. Well, no, he 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 stated he stated flat out, period, that vodka is not a Martini. It is a martini. Well, just, not traditionally. It's, it's not. Gin martini. So I did some research in this after this. Yeah. <laughs> and traditionally, uh, a martini is gin and strictly gin. Right. Uh, uh, later, they came up with the vodka. So he was a purist with this. So then, then of course, like, you know, then you're like, well, which gin? <laughs> yeah. But it's like, but James Bond. <laughs> Shaken, not stirred. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <clears throat> if I yeah. Feel it's good enough for him, then it's good enough for me. I, it's it's actually funny. I've always been for like the last eight years a tequila guy, so I like to drink kind of, you know, higher end tequila, and I just drink it neat, just straight, just neat. Oh, okay, what tequila? I think. Well, my favorite tequila is Classe Azul. Oh Jesus, yes. Yeah, you you have okay. good taste. Yeah, but it's really, it's really, I do. You're right. I do have good taste. I know. But anyways, I for some reason for the last four months I've been really just liking dirty martinis. I just I don't know. I just got really like I felt like I needed a little bit of change, so I've been drinking a lot of martinis lately. But I know that at some point I'm going to make my way back towards tequila, and I do like to have bourbon, and I do like to have scotch. I really like to have everything, but I've always been a tequila guy. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why, though. Tequila is the only alcohol that is an upper because the it has the antioxidants that are in it. Mm-hmm. It actually is an upper. Every other alcohol is a downer, every single one. So it turned. It, it started from me playing shows. I always w- like to drink while I play shows, and tequila is just like – fucking epic when you're playing the best when you when you don't drink like crappy tequila it has to be good tequila because yeah, crappy so tequila is not real Clase, tequila yeah Clase Azul yeah. or Don Julio 1942 yes have you or, had or, the, or uh, uh, a little bit down from that price wise uh, Fortaleza I love Fortaleza I love Fortaleza is amazing yeah um yeah, and then you know the uh, George Clooney's tequila is okay for 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 uh, you know it, the um, Casa it went, Amigos. It went for, downhill when he sold it. It they oh, did it? Yeah, yeah, they started making it differently. Oh, that sucks. Well, that was that was pretty good because you know sometimes you go places and they're like, oh, we don't have this, we don't have that. What do you got? Well, oh, okay, well that'll work. And yeah. that, that was the that will work tequila. Yeah. For me, it's like Don Julio Añejo is is like a good baseline for me, and then Forty Two is obviously the one. Classe Azul to me, it's just like their reposados, just fucking amazing. Yeah. 
it's fantastic for a hundred and odd some dollars a bottle. Yeah. But I mean, when you think about it, when you go to a bar and a, a shot of 42 is like $35, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to go buy a bottle of Classe Azul, which I like better than 42, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, I would agree, actually. And it's like, you know, it's like a little over a hundred bucks for the bottle, and it's like that could last me a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. You don't have to drink it all in one night, unless oh. you want to. It'll last a week or so. Yeah, it'll last like a week or so for sure. <laughs> Four hundred dollar tequila habit a month. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. <laughs> we got a question from Vinny. Uh, what did EVH use? For the chorus you sound on F-U-C-K. Eventide. Effect. Eventide, yeah. Micro pitch shift. Now, if you want to get that effect now, there's a few ways you can do it. You can use an H9. Uh, no? Kind of. <laughs> Not really. No? To be to be honest, to be here, here's the th- if if you're okay, if you're just going for the best stuff, right? So like like if you're going for that sound and you want it to sound like that sound it's really honestly uh, it's old and antiquated but h3000 the original eventide h3000 or the before that the 949s or something the the little guys yeah okay it simulates it kind of cool but man if you actually hear the real thing you it'd be like oh (laughs) big difference oh okay yeah i i get it now Right. But I mean, you know, I mean, is that really, you know, do you need do you need that? No, but you know. Yeah. I, I've also used the boss harmonist pedal. Yeah, I mean I mean I mean the, the, the cheapest thing you could buy that does that is the old SPX ninety. Micro pitch shift on the SPX ninety. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean you can get one of those for like fifty dollars or something. <clears throat> so now do you run, run it in the loop, right? Not in the uh, yeah. In the loop. I have a question because you guys probably know more about gear than I do for sure. Um, what would be the best way to run two heads simultaneously? Uh, a proper splitter um, that is transformer isolated mm-hmm. and that has a little phase reverse switch. So on the easiest thing that I can think just off the top of my head. Is you can get a um, radial um, tone bone Twin Cities AB box. That you would say that's kind of like the best one to do. It's blue, and it's it's blue, so it matches your guitar. Um, that's very very important. <laughs> uh, well, that one works quite well, and it will do all the things I just said, and uh-huh. it's not that expensive, and. Okay. Uh, and, and it'll split perfectly into both amps. It won't color the tone. Okay. And uh, and it'll transform or isolate it so there won't be a ground loop. And if your amps are out of phase with each other, you can flip the phase. Oh, okay. That's really cool. Yeah. Okay. I've cool. always wanted to run a 100-watt amp with a 50-watt amp simultaneously. So oh, I yeah. can get the best of both situations, you know? That pedal will work really well. Um I don't even know how much it is, like a hundred bucks or something, or maybe a little bit more. Who did you say it was by? Radial? Radial, uh, Twin City, Radial Bones, Twin City. They have the dumbest names, but Radial Bones, Twin City, AB box. It's blue and 
with a little bit of black on the cover. It's small. It's nine volt DC. I, tr I trust you. <laughs> yeah, it works really well. Yeah. Is this not that one? That one's a passive one. Ah. Uh, that one will work also, but it, you got to feed it with a buffer of some sort. See, I didn't know that. Otherwise, otherwise, it's not going to work as well. Same concept. Yeah, is that one? But they, and the the Twin City has a buffer in it. It's got the, it's all dialed in. Okay, works good. I mean, th that one or there's a there's a full tone AB box that has transformer isolation and stuff that's good. Also, um, there's a few other ones too that do the same kind of thing. But the yeah, Twin City works quite well. It's easy. Yeah, to get. I always wanted to run a hundred watt with a fifty watt head, just because I just. You know, to me, they both do completely different things. So for a live situation, I don't want an A, B between them. I just want to kind of like. Blend oh, yeah. It. Blend it. Yeah. All of it at once. Yeah. yeah. Cranking. Yeah. <laughs> now, exactly. would you do two cabs, two separate cabs or one? Four. Probably four. Oh, okay. I could do eight ohms. That's awesome. Yeah. That's that's, that's awesome. <laughs> Peeling. People's faces off. Yeah, it's the way to do it, though. Loud guitar. Well, in the band you're in, from what I understand, they're used to loud guitar. Yeah, I like to play, and I like to play really loud guitar. Because because Warren used to play really loud too. Yeah, I I like to play really loud. Some people don't like to play really loud, you know. They, but I love to play so loud that I feel it, you know. Exactly. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so Ethan wants to know, do you get into the fancy olives and the dirty martinis like blue cheese stuff and et cetera? So I don't like blue cheese, but I do like to get different kinds of olives. So I'll do like, uh, there's these ones that I like that are garlic and jalapeno stuff and um, habanero stuffed olives. That's kind of my favorite too. I, I, love, the, I love the fact that people are asking these questions. Yeah, ask me questions about alcohol. Vinny says that Leo makes a great buffered splitter, also. Oh, okay. Uh, is it, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. I'll be right back. Uh, the neighbors can feel it, that's always important. Um, I feel like, um, Nice. Yeah, two amps is yeah, I want to start running two amps, but I just feel like the art of playing really loud through real tube amps is just such a like such a lost thing, you know. Everyone likes to play through Kempers and Axe Effects and sometimes not even run cabinets and just go DI to the front of house. And it's just like to me it's just so lame because when you're stand let's say and the and the best part is that a lot of the people that like to do this, they're not playing necessarily in arenas or really big venues. They're playing more in small clubs. And when you're in a small club, when the people are standing right at the front of the stage, they're not hearing shit. Right, the, the I mean, it's just the guitar coming out of the PA. So it's just like having that stage volume guitar is so, to me, detrimental to the sound of the live band, you know? So just, 
detrimental. I don't even know if that's the right word, but you get what I'm saying. It's just, it's so important to have that, especially when you're playing in a small club, you have to have some stage volume because the people standing at the front of the stage, they're not going to hear anything. And it just sounds like all you hear is the, the drums. Right. I mean, if you're playing a huge arena, all right, well, Maybe that doesn't matter, but if yeah, you're, and playing, if you're playing a huge arena, I guess in theory you can get away with having a a, a Kemper and Axe FX that goes straight to the PA because basically most people are only hearing the PA. But that to me, that's still fucking lame. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm anti-technology. I'm so anti-technology. That's beautiful. Uh, I mean, you're talking Dave's language. I know that. I well, just, I mean, you know, I just like you know. Nothing made me prouder than when I when I took um, Jakey Lee his hundred watt Friedman right yeah. for the first time down to the whiskey, mm-hmm. and you know first he tried it in the fifty watt mode and played for a while and it was like all right that sounds cool, and then just a and then he tried the hundred watt mode and he was like oh yeah that's great, and yeah. he's let's, let's start with the fifty watt mode one song in he goes nah fuck this hundred watt mode. And he put it in the hundred watt mode, played the whole show, the hundred watt on ten, you know, yeah. in in the whiskey, and and I'm not really sure that they were putting much guitar in the PA, which they probably <laughs> should have. They still. really couldn't have been. Um. Well, yeah, but I, I I have some disagreements on that. Also, I mean, um, you need it to come through the PA also because there's places in, there's places know, I, in I the whiskey, let's say. You're up in the balcony. If you're not getting the guitar through the PA, you're probably not really hearing the guitar. No, so, I, I agree with you 100%. I think that it's loud doesn't mean they shouldn't put it through the PA. Put it through the PA also. But also keep it fucking loud as shit. <laughs> you know, and, and just like keep it loud. I and, agree with you. And most good sound guys that I, re- I mean, really good guys that have worked with a lot of great rock bands. We had one of them on the show, Tom Abraham. Tom's like, look, here's the deal. I'll just, whatever makes the artist happy is what I will deal with. And it's not a problem. Yeah. And if they have a good tone, it's not a problem. Right. It's, it's not, a, it, it's just not a problem. Right. Well, it is, as loud as they want. It, it doesn't matter. It, it is awful when someone plays really loud and they have an awful tone. That's just. Well, Correct, correct, and that's yeah. that's some of the. That's the downside. Yeah, yeah, and 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 Tom has dealt with some crazy. And Tom, uh, uh, when I first met Tom, he was mixing for Marilyn Manson when John Five was in the band, and John Five was incredibly loud on stage, and uh, and he goes, "It's not a problem. It's nice. It's, it's not a problem." Yeah. Later, Tom mixed for Alice in Chains and and yeah. sort of things. And it's just, he goes, they weren't loud on stage, but I, but, uh, I find that there is. Well, now I use an attenuator, so it's great because I can kind of get everything out of the amp, but not just play like blisteringly loud. But I do find like I love to play really loud, but I am willing to find that happy medium where you can still have it really good through the PA system really good off the stage so that the people that are standing near the stage hear the, you know, the volume too. But I just think the stage volume is so important 
for a lot of people that are standing in the vicinity of near the front of the stage. Mm-hmm. So fucking important. And yeah. sound guys all the time are just like, turn down, I can't control you in the PA, can't control you in the PA. And it's just, it's that's bullshit. A, hogwash. It is fucking bullshit is what it is, honestly. It's, it's complete, utter bullshit. It, it, it's it's funny. I mean, a guy that works for me uh, used to play, uh, would play the Viper Room from time to time. And he would go in there and he goes, he goes, they kept making me turn down till basically the volume on the amp was pretty much off. Exactly. He goes, he goes it was it was so quiet. I and couldn't it, even I couldn't hear anything at and all. Not, and not only that, but you go stand in the front where the guitars are coming out of the PA system and you it's it. shit and you can't hear it. Can't hear shit that don't know shit about dick. But the interesting thing is, and this is an interesting thing. So uh, there was another gig where Steve Stevens did like this all-star band thing at the Viper Room, and Steve was playing, and Pete Thorne, and and all these people, and same venue, same everything. Steve's Friedman amp was on six or seven on the mm-hmm. not on the master volume, yeah. which is full volume. There's no yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. It's it, doesn't get, it doesn't get louder. It just gets it doesn't get louder. It's a hundred watt yeah. amp just killing. Yeah. At that point. Um, and the same thing with Pete's amp. And guess what? We still heard all the vocals over the PA and it was glorious. Cause you were standing there just getting pummeled with this. <laughs> This, this sound but it's almost like you know after a while you're almost like floating in this beautiful guitar heaven you know yeah uh, of, of noise yeah. and um I, I don't know why people are so afraid of that today I, I don't in fact in fact i have a good story for you because me and marty play pretty loud on stage we like to play pretty fucking loud and we were um sound checking at the whiskey for one of our shows and I go stand in, in in the front of house. When we do sound check, I always go stand in the front of house because I don't trust anybody. Good. I'm, I'm kind of the guy that likes to make sure, you know, that everything's right. Cause I, I know I know what it should sound like. And I said to the guy, I'm like, like we're playing through songs, and I'm like, Do you even have the guitars in the front of house? And he's like, Yeah, they're there. Oh yeah, they're there. And I'm like, what do you what? And then he turned them up. He started to turn them up, and it sounded amazing. And he finally had the guitars, like, really coming through the front of the house. It sounded amazing. And a bunch of people that came to that show that night came up to me, and they're like, yeah, usually, like, instrumental stuff sounds terrible at the whiskey. Tonight, you guys sounded fucking amazing. Yeah. The sound they, they guy the sound guy barely had the guitar coming through the PA. It was like not even there. It didn't sound like it was coming out at all because he's like, oh, it's coming off playing from the stage. And not only that, but we're not a vocal band. So it's not like we're, you're, you're trying to keep the guitars down so that it doesn't fight, you know, with the vocals. It was just, yeah. I don't know. I just don't. I've worked with some really good sound guys that really get it, but I just, I've, I've worked with way more sound guys that don't understand anything. Yeah, I, I I would agree with you on everything you've just said, and and it's they don't. Uh, I, I'm just like, how many times have you gone to see a show and all you hear is vocals and bass and drums? 
a million times. And like, and it's a guitar band. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like a band that is known to be a guitar band, you know? And not, and not only that, but you have to also take into consideration, let's say the guitars are pretty loud and vocals are like, you know, they're similar in volume. If it's a band that's really well known, the people in the audience already know the lyrics and everything. So if you have the guitars not there, it just sounds weak. It's just weak. Oh, yeah. People know the vocals anyways, you know? Are you using in-ears? No, oh. I don't use in-ears. I just use um I loud use amp. I use a loud amp <laughs> and really loud <laughs> monitors and really loud side fill monitors for the drums and, and I'll use earplugs a lot of the time. Some shows though, the, the, the volume of things doesn't bother me depending on how open the space is and how bright the room sounds. But, but if the room, like I know right away, if I need to wear earplugs that night, it's just kind of how my ears feel, but no. Depends on how bouncy the room is, how reflective yeah, the room yeah. is, everything. Exactly. So yeah, we just play really loud. We use regular monitors we use side fills and pump the drums through the side fills super loud and it's just like we get to jam out it's just fun you know that's cool that's yeah that's awesome um I, sorry i just got a text i got i i have a question from well twf 7847 <laughs> Uh, Dave, I ordered a B100 today from Musician's Friend. Unfortunately, it's on back ordered for two to three weeks. Are you guys having problems with production for COVID? Um, we're making amps, but but here's the issue. Um, what had happened was um, so we were closed for a while. When they shut everything down, we were shuttered for like a month, right? So, So we had orders then. Then we didn't have any output for a month. Meanwhile, we were still receiving orders that whole month that there was no output. And now we've received even more orders. So right now we are so back ordered on everything because of that. Uh, it's crazy. Mm. So we're just trying to make things as fast as we can. And then we, we, we did the right in the middle of all this COVID thing. We did the Jakey Lee amp release, the limited edition amp. And and so that took up some bandwidth. So now we've already gotten through that now. So now we're making deluxes and twin. Well, we had twin sister next, and then we're also making deluxes. So it's it's like we only have so many people right. to make stuff, and and you know if it gets and and it just stacked up. Uh, so I mean, it's a good thing. Yeah. Um, Jordan, are you using the ox on stage? I have not used the Ox on stage yet because I haven't had a chance to use my Plexis live with Rat yet. Mm, okay. Is that the plan, though, to do that? It will be the plan when we actually do a tour, like, you know, like we were supposed to do this year, <laughs> but we didn't do this. A year. tour that you can take your own gear with? Yeah, yeah, exactly. When we do the bus tour and everything, I'm definitely going to. Well, we got to tweak your Plexis then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe bring a Friedman with me too. I'd like to maybe try, you know, come and play some more of your amps because I haven't had a chance to really like play your amps at oh, yeah. full crack. You'd you probably know? like the B100 Deluxe. It pretty much yeah. can do anything you want it to do. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, it'll totally nail. I mean, cause I have vintage plexis and stuff. And, 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 and I remember, um, when Sammy was in town, we, we did that little AB with an amp switcher and it's like no one in the room is, we're all looking at the amp going, which one's which, right? <laughs> and that's the, the vintage very act plexi. Mm-hmm. So, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, have you met Warren Jordan? I've met Warren on a couple occasions, actually. Um, they were both times where it was kind of like, I don't know. It was kind of weird. I, I don't know. I, I haven't really met him in a, in a way that was like really like the right way to meet him, I guess. Mm. But anyways, I, I basically was friends with Carlos Cabazzo before, before joining rat. So mm. I met Warren one time when, um, uh, when, when I went to go see Carlos play with rat years, years and years ago. And then another time I met Warren um, when I was doing something at the Charvel booth dur- during Nam or whatever, and some people from Fender introduced me, and it was kind of just like Warren was kind of like, "Oh, okay, cool." You know, it's like it wasn't like anything. You know, he probably doesn't even remember meeting me, to be honest. Mm. Gotcha. Um, I, I had a very interesting dinner with Jakey Lee and Warren. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> with an mariachi band <laughs> and a mariachi band. It, it was actually it, it was a great dinner but it was horrible because the mariachi band was like raging in this in this mexican restaurant we went so, to like so loud so loud oh good they were good i mean like they were a good band uh you know <laughs> they were all, a good mariachi band well, I mean, you know, when when I say that, it's like all the traditional instruments and all the right stuff and all the thing for that thing. Um, but um, but it was like holy shit, we couldn't get a word in edgewise. It was like the band would stop and we we're like talk, 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 and then oh <laughs> shit, the band started again. <laughs> Fuck. Um, <laughs> we had great drinks though. <laughs> uh, it's so funny when when I'm at a Mexican restaurant and. And I'm, I've had so many experiences where I go to a Mexican restaurant around lunchtime and I'm just like super, super hungover. And then just like the mariachi band comes and starts playing right next to me. And I'm just like, uh, uh. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> uh, I've, we've been getting this question a lot, Dave, since the last show. Um, about I, the- I, Okay, so this question, which is on the screen now, as you guys saw. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a definitive answer on that. I'm, I, 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 I'm not going to come out and like dog anything. So, uh, I, you know, maybe the curve is a little questionable. Um, maybe it's not, I don't have a definitive answer on that. You mean running, uh, like that is timed out vintage plexi into, into it. What do you think? doing is is that does that run any differently than an oxbox does yeah it does run different than the oxbox so an oxbox is for it's sure safe. Safe. it's fine yeah but but a, but a boss is different the way that it works it's different the way it works it's a different load it does sound really good um it's a it's it it's it is a great product i just don't have a definitive answer on that so do you- I, 
do you um do you think it sounds better than the ox or different or same just you know because i never used the boss one before uh depends i mean like i mean with with the boss you have options uh for your ir choices like lots Mm -hmm. of options for ir choices um um with the ua you have what they have i you know i don't know they're all good options there's also two notes options too yeah um, the torpedo or whatever they're, it's all, they're all good options you have to decide what's good you know what sounds best for you and your amps um I, and i just use it you know i, 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 was, <laughs> I was using it to record um you know using the ua irs that are in it yeah yeah it's not they're not irs they're actually the ua box is actually models of cabinets so it's like a true one-to-one model of a cabinet that's interactive so so in other words you can drive the speakers more so they so they have cone cry or something you can it it, it's different it's not a static ir um so it, it is a different technology I get what you're saying, but my the, the whole point is that it still didn't do it for me. It still needs to be mic'd. And but I do like using the Oxbox just purely as an attenuator. Yeah, and but but and that's probably not the best attenuator either. Yeah. Um but if you're only getting it knocking it down a couple clicks, it's probably fine. Mm-hmm. Um it's all it's all you have to do your own test you have to do your own you haven't i mean i'm a big fan of own hammer irs if you're going to use irs Mm -hmm. i think kevin at own hammer does an amazing job at irs and he's really into it i mean like really into it like and i love that passion for it Mm -hmm. so those are my favorite IRs. Um, almost as anything far, he does is really good. As far as attenuators, do you have like an attenuator that you like? Uh, attenuator, the best thing for a vintage Marshall would be the the Fryad Power Station 100. Mm-hmm. The, the new one. Um, it, it by far is great. It's not really an attenuator. It's really a load mm-hmm. and, and then another power amp. Uh, mm-hmm. By far... It's the best. the The hundred watt. I've I've done tests, exhaustive tests, especially with old Marshalls, yeah. and the new hundred watt one, PS one hundred, is unbelievable. Um, so that's what I choose to use if I'm going to mm-hmm. use it. And and for an old fifty watt, um, I mean for an old fifty or hundred watt Marshall, I mean the Freya is perfectly safe and great. Okay. It's a great product. And you can play it at whisper volumes. And because of the, the architecture, you have an effects loop in it. So right. if you want to insert a delay post your vintage amp, you can. Mm-hmm. Right. Which, is, which is great. I mean, if you have, like, you know, my favorite old delays are like Roland SDE 3000 rack mount delays and stuff. And if you just insert that in the loop, it just sounds amazing. Yeah, mm. just killer sounding. I'll have to have you put an effects loop into one or two of my plexis because I just no. You don't want to put the effects loop in the plexi. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. 
No, it doesn't work because the problem is, is you're deriving all your distortion from distorting the power section of the amp. Right. So if you insert an effect into it gets, that, it, it gets distorted. So the delay so is like a distortion delay. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You it don't want to do that. It doesn't work in the front of the amp either. It, right. it, well, it doesn't work in front of the amp really either. Best thing to do is if you're going to do something like that and you uh, say you have a, a plexi or something, you crank that up into one cabinet. You take a line out from that amp, which a little box you can make or something, feed a delay and feed a power amp to another cabinet. The then dry, you dry have light. a dry and wet thing, and then you have everything. You'll have to teach me how to do that because I, I don't. I, yeah, and you'll love how that sounds. Yeah. Oh my God, Jordan, really good. That is the way to go, man. If you haven't done that, yeah. Is- if you haven't done that, that almost gets your two amp idea done because you get a little delay in this one cab, but you get the the, yeah. the dry the dry thing going at the same time. It'll sound massive. It it fills the sound so much. I mean, I've got a, what I've got going through here. I do, I do what Dave says. I got wet, dry, wet, mm-hmm. and I've got a line out running out of the be into okay. a power over there feeding the two outside cabinets I, I, I can show you man it's you weird. have to show me all this stuff because i'm still learning i'm yeah, 20 yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it, it sounds fucking killer that's fun yeah. stuff I, I like i like the expression on people's faces once they do it for the first time and they're like <gasps> yeah <laughs> well i have to say you know the whole reason i got into plexis was because my one of my best friends, Robert Mason, sings with George. Yeah. And they did this album, uh, uh, End Machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So I went to their rehearsal in uh, at Mates. Yep. And, you know, I know George pretty well too, but I went there and George was playing um, 50 watt plexi Marshall. No, no, he was playing his 100 watt plexi. Oh, okay. And I heard that fucking thing, and he just had it at full crack with a with a packing blanket over the cabinet. Yeah, did he have the wet stuff going too? He did. So, and, so essentially, what that is is what I would just described. No, well, I know that, but I just yeah. never knew how to yeah. do that. Yeah. But I heard that amp, and I just talked to him about it for a little bit, and that's what's what George is what got me on this whole. Hmm. Lexi journey that I'm on because when I heard that at the rehearsal, I was just like, wow. Okay. That's, that's the sound I want. That's the sound I've been looking for this whole time. So, okay. so yeah, the, I know well, I we got to pick your amps up. Like I know about the dry wet thing, but I don't know how to do it the right way. You know? Yeah. Uh, I'll hook you up. Yeah. Cool. Hook me up, man. You're, you're here now. It's easy. I know. Hook me up, man. Exactly. Well, we've been going a while. Uh, I think we've gotten to all the questions. Um, So uh, I think we should wrap up. Um, Just looking to see if there's any other questions. Um, No more super chats. So I think we're good. Um, You guys should check out Jordan playing with Marty Friedman. Go on YouTube, check out his videos on there. It's phenomenal. Uh, And of course, once you guys start touring again and your solo album comes out. You guys make sure you check it out. Um, Jordan, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you. It was super fun. Super yeah. fun with you guys. 
totally awesome. Um, now you can commence with drinking more to, more martinis. I'm gonna have dinner <laughs> and then and then drink more martinis. <laughs> the words uh, weren't coming out quite right there. <laughs> you got it though. <laughs> Our uh, schedule for next set of shows. Uh, we've got Tosin Abasi on September 11th. Misha Mansour on September 18th. Uh, and then we have um, uh, Rusty Anderson, who is the guitar player from Paul McCartney's band. He's coming on September 26th, which is my birthday, which will be cool. Happy um, almost birthday. What's that? I said happy almost birthday. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, uh, I'll be an old man by then. Um, Steve Lukather's coming back on October 2nd. Dave Wiener from the Steve Vai's band will be on October 9th. And then what's Martin's last name from Victory, Dave? Martin Kidd. Kid, Martin Kidd, right. So he'll be on October 30th. That's mm -hmm. kind of where we're, we're booked. And then the next set of guests, uh, we're going to have... Um, from Voodoo Labs. Josh Fiden from Voodoo Lab. Um, we're going to have his, I think, first ever interview. I've known Josh forever, so we're old friends. We're going to be drinking wine on that show, so everyone get their wine ready. Yeah. <laughs> Proper wine. And uh, and then also we're going to have James Santiago from UA on. Which would be awesome, too. Yep. And uh, at a, another show, but yep, yeah. mm -hmm. yep. So we're we're booked al almost into November, um, or most likely. So anyway, you guys have a great weekend. Thanks for joining. Um, if there's any other questions, send them our way on Facebook. Make sure you hit subscribe. Uh, also check out Sweetwater again in the link, please. Subscribe and click the bell. Um, buy your Friedman gear, and um, I think that's it. Jordan, hang on while we say goodbye. Yeah, hang on one sec. Yeah, hey, I'm here. All right, guys, take care. Have a good one. Right. Yeah, thank Thanks, you. Guys. Bye.